Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio, episode number 35. Trey Anity, Nick Caparoso, Marty Leap with you as always. As we continue to roll through this offseason, the month of January now. Happy New Year, everybody. As we get through this holiday season, the Pittsburgh Pirates continue to approach spring training. Not any trades since the last episode. The Josh Bell deal was the one we reviewed. That go-round. Still waiting on some news. Maybe Joe Musgrove here. We'll keep an eye on that, but today... We have met to talk about what is possible, what is going to happen, what we believe is going to happen in this 2021 season. Let's start by talking about where we are right now. Let's break down the Pittsburgh Pirates on January 10th, 2021, where they stand and kind of what they're looking at as they head into spring training. Marty, you want to get us started? Yeah, I think, you know, as <clears throat> spring training as of now, still about a month or so around the corner. We'll see how that shakes out. Of course, there's been some rumors that spring training may start a little late. But, um, you know, with spring training looming, the Pirates aren't in too much of a different position than they were last year. You know, it's, it's a young team. They're going to take their lumps. They're going to struggle. But at the same time, there's a lot of young players here who are going to be interesting to watch. You know, you got Brian Hayes' his first full season. See what happens if Cole Tucker goes back to shortstop. We're probably going to see Cody Bolden at some point this year. We might see Travis Swaggerty. We might see O'Neill Cruz. So 2021 is going to be another season that is all about development for the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's going to be all about finding out who is and is not part of the long-term, long-term plans and you know moving guys who aren't going to be here long-term to try and add more prospects and more young talent in the process. Yeah, Marty, you're right on point there. Um, Happy New Year to you guys as well and all our listeners out there. Thanks for, uh, you know, bringing in the new year with us, and we hope to continue to give you guys good content uh, as we approach spring training, like Trey said. With that, uh, yeah, I think a lot of what we're looking at going into spring training is going to be who's going to be here and who's not going to be here. You know, the – Trey, you mentioned it with trade rumors are, are whirling and we definitely have a uh, Musgrove and Adam Frazier potentially um, heading out yet before spring training, if not, you know, some other ones like brought um, potentially. So it will be an interesting month here. Uh, this has been one of the slowest moving off seasons um, in baseball's modern day uh, history. So, you know, the next couple of weeks with pitchers and catchers reporting in just about a month, uh, it should be pretty active. Yeah, you said it, Nick. This has been a, a super slow offseason. I think that's credit to what this pandemic has done to to sports and to our country. And, um, you know, it's it's helped it move along a little bit slower here. But we are in the month of January now getting closer to 
that spring training date. It's always nice when the, the NFL playoffs get started like they're going on right now because you start to realize, hey, once that Super Bowl ends, it's baseball time. We're getting closer. The Pirates have a lot of young talent in this organization. We've gotten to talk to you know several prospects over these last few episodes, picking their brain, and you know we've heard the same thing from all of them. This organization, top to bottom, is loaded with guys that are, are motivated and ready to get their shot at the big leagues. A lot of guys that know how to win. They've won in their past. Let's talk about some of these young prospects. Obviously, Cabrian Hayes is the centerpiece. He is the prospect that Pirates fans were excited about for quite some time, got to the big leagues this year, and lived up to the hype. What do we expect out of Key Brian in 2021? Will he continue the tear that he ended with in 2020? Will the defense get better, you know, if it even can? And, uh, you know, what do we expect at the plate from Key Brian in 2021 as well? Yeah, I mean, I feel safe saying defensively with Key Brian Hayes, you're going to see him continue to emerge as one of the best defensive third baseman in baseball and, you know, probably one of the best all-around defensive players in baseball, regardless of position. Um, offensively, you know, it's impossible to expect him to do over a full 162 games what he did last year. But at the same time, there's no reason to expect him to be anything less than an above-average league hitter, you know. His hard hit rates, his exit velocity, his barrel rates, all of that have always been above league average in the minors. They were some of the best in the majors last year from the time he was called up until the end of the season. So I think you can expect to see Key Brian. I think he can eventually evolve into a 25 or so home run guy. But I think in his first full year, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, mix in another 30 to 35 doubles, you know, like out the occasional triple with his athleticism and play elite defense and just solidify himself not just as the Pirates' best player, but as the true face of the franchise and one of the best all-around players in all of baseball. Yeah, Marty, I got to echo that. Uh, Trey, you know, I'm not sure if you've looked into it or not, but I know you're, you know, big into the the sports books. And if I had to guess, Cabrian Hayes will definitely be the favorite for NL Rookie of the Year entering 2021. Um he showed us everything he is as a player last year. Like Marty said, for him to, you know, pick that up and continue that over 162 games and his technically rookie year would be a lot to ask. But the important thing is, is that he shows us a lot of those tools that he already showed us. He shows us that he's able to lift the ball with power. He shows us he's able to not strike out a lot and make those gold glove caliber plays in the infield. He's going to have his ups and downs in a longer season. Uh, that's expected for any young player. But I definitely think, um, you know, when we get into the full swing of this season, Cabrian Hayes is going to be the the guy that you're looking at representing the face of the franchise. He is that guy, uh, you know, to this point, if nothing else. And and like you said, it's pretty probably going to be a safe bet that he will be one of the finalists for the Rookie of the Year, if nothing else. Um, but, you know, if you go to that sports book as well, it's probably going to tell you that the Pittsburgh Pirates aren't going to win very many games in 2021. That's, uh, you know, the realistic outlook. It was the same feeling coming into 2020, a little bit different. Things have progressed. Uh, you know, the ball club ended the season on a, on a nice little hot streak. Um, but, you know, at, at times this season, the Pirates may find themselves quite, um, you know, a few games out of first place looking for things to get excited about. Let's talk about some of these other prospects we can look to see get called up around the arbitration deadline, you know, maybe later on in the season, guys like O'Neill Cruz, who are you guys most excited to see get to the big league club this year? For me, uh, I'm looking at probably Cody Bolton. 
um, for in terms of pitchers. Uh, we'll break it up like that. Uh, he's one of those prospects that we've been watching come up through the organization for a long time. And the belief is, is that his fastball velocity has really spiked uh, in recent uh, years over the last year or two. And he's now sitting up in the mid nineties. So I'm interested to see, you know, I, I really think Bolton could be like one of those prospects who he's been a little bit off the radar in terms of like, you know, who, you know, as the pirates top prospects, but he definitely has the upside that uh, of a very good, um, you know, middle of the rotation starting pitcher. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do at the big league level, just because I think he is the type of guy that could come up and catch some eyes of the average fan who might not have heard of him yet. Uh, for hitters, obviously, uh, I'm most excited for potentially O'Neill Cruz, um, light tower power, uh, everything, athleticism, um, everything the Pirates lineup needs. The question is, is if he will get here this year um, and how aggressive they decide to move with him. So we'll see on that. Yeah, I, I agree with you on Bolden as a pitcher. Um he, he's one guy I definitely think if I had to guess which of the Pirates' top prospects we're most likely to see this year debut, it would definitely be Bolden, barring just something going disastrously wrong for him in the minors. We'll see him in the rotation by the end of the year, probably at some point in the summer. And it'll be exciting to see what he can do. You know, I mean, obviously things so far have not worked out with Mitch Keller the way they anticipated. Hopefully Bolden can find success and – solidify himself as a building block in this rotation moving forward. You know, as for hitters, I agree with you on Cruz. I'm very excited about him. I'm also not – I don't think – I think had there been a minor league season last year, I think we would have saw him this year. But without it, I don't know. Um, That's what I I mean. Yeah. And everything that went on, I I just don't know how quickly his development – like where it's at at this point. Yeah, I mean, I will say that in the Dominican Winter League, he's been hitting the ball much better in recent weeks than he was early on, so that's good to see. But if, if I had to guess on a top hitting prospect, I think we could see this year. I think Travis Swaggerty could definitely be that guy. Um, you know, no Swaggerty can play in center field. He is a very highly touted hitter. When the Pirates drafted him in 2018, they got him 10th overall, and a lot of places had Swaggerty as the best college hitter in the draft. So I think Swaggery is a guy that you really could see potentially crack this lineup by the end of the season. So that would be something to watch. And if nothing else, I mean, you're going to see Swaggery get his first taste of not just triple A ball this year, but his first taste of anything above high A. So it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts and if he can continue to hit the ball and continue to play good defense and continue to look like, if not the center fielder of the future for the Pirates, at least the right fielder of the future for the Pirates. The future is coming. You know, we've heard a lot about these young arms. Cody Bolton uh, being maybe the guy you highlight out of that group, the closest at least, um, a guy that we expect to see this season. Let's talk about some guys that have already made their Major League debuts, guys that have the chance to really break out this season. Marty, you wrote an article this week uh, talking about a certain breakout player. Maybe you want to highlight here for us. Maybe some other guys you expect to really come onto the scene and, um, you know, break out this year. Yeah, I have an article up on the site this week about Blake Searland as a potential breakout guy for 2021. Um, obviously last year in spring training, Cedarland was kind of the darling of pirate fans and of the grapefruit league, excuse me, before everything got shut down with COVID and he did go on to make his, uh, major league debut last year. 
and showed why he's a highly touted relief prospect. That fastball, man, it, it's good. It sets in the high 90s, and it's he's almost to the point where he doesn't touch 100. He almost sits around 100. Like he, he, he hits 100 plus regularly. His sliders come in at 90 miles an hour. It's an absolute just deadly wipeout pitch. You know, in the minors, he's been dominant against righties and has done a great job limiting lefties. Um, I, I fully expect Seedlin to be in the bullpen to start the season. And while he may not be the closer to start the year, you know, I, I think it's a good shot. We see guys like Richard Rodriguez and Chris Stratton, assuming they pitch well traded by July. And we could see Seedlin, if not closing out ball games by the end of the season, at least pitching in high leverage situations and showing you why he, along with, you know, the Nick Mears and the Blake Wymans and the Edgar Santanas of the world are still the future of this pirate bullpen. Yeah, it's an excellent point on Cedarlin, Marty. I'm going to go a little more, I think, uh, off the radar. Um, and I'm actually going to stick, though, in the bullpen. I'm going to talk about – I'm going to go with Nick Mears. He, um, you know, struggled in his big league debut last year and his little bit of time up. But that was a good experience, I have a feeling, for him. You know, he got – a lot of work. He now has data to look at something that the new front office is big into. And Nick Mears is kind of like that data darling. He has really good spin rates, obviously good velocity. So there's a lot to like in him. It's just, it's going to be about harnessing the control. And, you know, that's something that the the Pittsburgh Pirates really believe that isn't going to be necessarily a, a huge long-term issue for Mears. So, you know, I'm really interested to see, uh, him get more of a full, full chance this year. And I think, you know, not, not that he, he'll be like Cedarland. Cedarland will be in the, um, bullpen to start the year. Mears, he's going to have to battle more for his job, but I do think he's going to be, uh, you know, a guy to watch, uh, take a step forward this year. And these guys, Mears, Cedarland, they're going to get the opportunity this year. Ben Sherrington, this this organization, this front office is is set on giving guys chances. One guy I want to highlight, we talked to him about a month ago, Anthony Alford, and, and the chance he's going to get this season. He's had decent numbers throughout his career, but he's really never been able to have the consistency at the plate. I think this season, that's a guy you keep your eye on offensively, um, just because you know he, he's got a lot of talent. He's a, he's a special player, hasn't had the chance yet. I think he'll get it this season. I think he'll prove himself. Um, but, you know, kind of talking about that front office a little bit more, this is the first time we get to see them operate a 162 game season. What do you guys expect out of that? The, you know, the pace at which they call players up, what do we expect out of this trade deadline? I guess, what do we expect, um, you know, out of this front office in 2021, how they manage a, a full 162 game season? I know me personally, one thing I'll be very interested to see, because this is something that, is going to play a big role for the Pirates in not just 2021, but probably 2022 and 2023 as well, is how quickly does Ben Sherrington and his staff pull the trigger on promoting guys to the majors? I mean, obviously, barring a spring training contract extension of some sort, we're never going to see anyone before mid-April because they want to get the next year of service time. Um the odds of seeing someone before early June due to Super 2 are also pretty low, depending on the prospect. 
But I will be very curious. There was a lot of times during the Neil Huntington era, I felt fans, myself included, Nick, I know you'll agree with me, got frustrated that even when Super 2 had passed and these guys are performing well in the minors, we never saw them. And now I personally have long believed that Huntington felt like he rushed Pedro Alvarez, derailed his development in the process, and always went back to that. But I just will be curious to see how quickly, if these guys are performing well, do we see them? Is it as soon as Super 2 passes? Is it in late June? Is it in early July? Do they wait till trades are made in July to free up roster space? And I think Cody Bolton will be the first test of that. And like I said, over the course of the next three seasons, you're going to see a lot of these highly touted prospects graduate. So I think we, how quickly they pull the trigger on those guys will be a factor with things. And now I also think, though, part of that will be, you know, not so much this year, or maybe not even next year, but say 2023, for example, where the Pirates could be in position to be contending. That also may cause you to call guys up quicker. Because, again, to go back to Huntington, I remember when Polanco was called up, for example, in 2014, he even came out and said they didn't necessarily believe Gregory Polanco was 100% major league ready yet. But the Pirates in 2014 were looking to get back to the postseason again and thought that Polanco was their best option for right field at that time. And when you're contending for the postseason, you know, you're going to get more aggressive with guys because winning becomes more important than it does when you're trucking through a 73-win season. So I I do agree with what you're saying, Marty. Um, I That is definitely a point that we've discussed before, just seeing if the prospect um, development system is going to be working a little more differently than it did previously. And part of that is definitely, you know, how quickly these guys are going to get called up to the big leagues. Uh, you know, like Hayes last year, it was good to see him get moved up. Although, you know, I think – he would have been up earlier had he had more of a normal um, preseason and season uh, into the season. But a big part of this is what we've discussed on here before. And it's that, and you just mentioned it, Marty, the 2023 window, how much will the prospect promotions be built around that 2023 um, idea. You know what I mean? In terms of service time, worrying about arbitration and things like that, having mm-hmm. your players that way, they're not all bunched up at the same time in terms of service time and you're paying them all at the same time. I think that's something that Ben Charrington is probably considering um, also that, you know, once again, we might not be thinking about, with that being said, a guy like Cody Bolton, he's in Triple A. Uh, you know, when it's time for him to come up, Charrington's going to call him up. But that is one. That is one part that I'll be interested in is the lower minor guys to see how quickly they get moved along to see if they can be up for that twenty twenty three window. Yeah, I agree with you completely with that. I think it's a great point with the arbitration and that sort of thing, not having all those guys lumped together. So you're not stuck in an off season where you're going to see your payroll. And I know this comment's going to get under people's skin, but it's just the way baseball operates. You don't have an off season to look at that. They have yes, to where you're going to see if let's say, and maybe this is projecting a few years down the road, but let's say the first time that you have, you know, like Quinn Priester and Tanash Thomas and maybe throwing like Leo Paguero in there being arbitration eligible for the first year. And that's the first year Cody Bolton's ARB2. Like you could be looking at a 
20, $30 million spike in your payroll. And that's just not feasible, you know? So that's going to be a factor. And again, like I said, I think the winning thing's big. Cause let's say, you know, you get into 2023, maybe you're in late June, early July, and you're hanging around in the postseason race. Maybe you're in first place and behold a wild card, maybe within a few games and you have a starting pitcher go down, you're going to be more inclined to call up Priester, Thomas Malone, you know, Carmen Majinski, whoever it might be, even if you may not believe they're hundred percent ready, but because you're contending, you know, we saw with Garrett Cole in 13, we saw Gregor Polanco in 2014. Teams are going to be more aggressive with their prospects when they feel like they're in a position to compete. And that's what's so important about keeping that that 2023 window in mind. You know, even when you think about things that have happened recently, like the Josh Bell trade, a lot of people are upset, um, you know, with, with Pirates dealing Bell there, but you weren't going to be able to pay him in 2023 when you're really you know, competing, expecting to win those games. You have to keep that mindset with a lot of the veterans on this team. Who do we expect um, veterans-wise this season to continue with the consistency? Um, you know, obviously names like Colin Moran, Jacob Stallings come to mind. What what veterans do we look to kind of grandfather this team as they work towards that that window of contention? Um, I don't know if he totally qualifies as a veteran, but one guy I'm definitely going to be watching is – Brian Reynolds. Um, Reynolds, 2019, was one of the best rookies in baseball. Last year, just struggled from the get-go and could never get going. Again, it's just, I don't, not to keep harping on that 2023 window, but to go back to the 2023 window, if Brian Reynolds is not the 2019 Brian Reynolds, is not the Brian Reynolds the Pirates expected to be a big piece of the core moving forward, then competing in 2023 becomes that much harder. Because when you look at that, look, you know, a year or two down the road, we look to be contending. A big part of that is expecting Reynolds to be in left field, be hitting in the two or three hole, and being one of the best hitters in the league. So I'll definitely be watching Reynolds this year to see if he can bounce back. Personally, I think he will. I think he's far too good of a hitter to, bounce, to not bounce back. And I think it'll also be interesting to watch what happens to Colin Moran. Was his 2020 for real? If it was, then you've got a lot of options with Moran. You could shop him. You could look to extend him, especially his first base is one place in the organization where there isn't much of an immediate answer on the horizon. So I think those will be the two guys that I will really be watching this year in terms of more veteran type guys who are on this roster. For me, it's uh, Gregory Polanco. Uh, we talked about him last show with the injury stuff and, you know, just beyond him staying healthy, it'll be interesting to see um, if he can, you know, muster any sort of, you know, productivity. Uh, to make him, you know, a, a worthy player to be playing at this point. Like, I I know that um, the Pirates aren't going to be going anywhere this year, but it's very important that Gregory Polanco bounces back, and is a big part of that will be health, because if he bounces back, that could be a very intriguing uh, veteran trade chip at the deadline. And I think both the guys you you know just mentioned there, Brian Reynolds and Gregory Polanco, are going to have those bounce back seasons because you can't look at 2020 as a, a, you know a year numbers wise everything else realistically. It was a COVID ridden season that you know put a lot of people in bad positions. I think Brian Reynolds was a product of that. I think Gregory Polanco's health um, you know turned his season into what it was. But for those guys to come back and produce at the level we expect them to is going to be huge for this team. So let's get into the numbers of it. When we talk about wins, win-loss total this season, um, you know, or even maybe not win-loss, but where we expect this team to finish in the division, what 
I guess the overall outlook is on on how successful they'll be on the field. Marty, why don't you get us started there? I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't expect the Pirates to be a good team in 2021. I think they'll be better than they were last year for a lot of different reasons. But I also have said this a few times on Twitter. I've said it talking to people. But I think the 2021 National League Central could be a lot like the 2020 uh, NFC East. Like, I'm not sure there's actually a good team in this division. Um, I mean, you see the Cubs are just shedding payroll at every chance they can get. I mean, they, they honestly, if they could move Chris Bryant still, they probably will. The Cardinals haven't added anybody. The Brewers have lost people without adding anyone. The Reds are shedding payroll. Um, yeah, I I could see this being very much like a 2006 scenario where the Cardinals, because they're the Cardinals and that's what they do, will win 82 games, win the division, then go on to win the World Series. But I, I just don't think this division is very good, and I think that will – will make the Pirates look better than they are. But that's probably not a bad thing either because on a young team like this, you know, you're going to lose, you're going to take your lumps, but the more you win, the more you're going to build confidence and that sort of thing. So I, I think the Pirates will be better than last year. And I also think it's possible because their division stinks that their final record for 2021 winds up being maybe a little bit better than the team actually is. Yeah, I agree with that, Marty. Um I think the Steeler. No, they don't talk about them right now. They're losing by twenty-five at halftime. Um, the Steelers, who are playing a lot like the Pirates, uh, right now, as you know, playoff football is occurring as we record this. But seriously, the Pirates, yeah, definitely going to be a similar year. Probably looking at the basement again. But I do agree, Marty. More more wins, definitely. Probably, uh, or obviously, there will be more wins, but a higher winning percentage uh, should very much be in the um, cards for them. Just because, like you said, the division itself isn't very strong. You know, that's one of those things that you know. Right now, it sounds great, uh, but it, it's just really going to be telling. Um, based off of how this pitching staff does and if they take the next step forward. Uh, if they can take a step forward, the pitching staff, especially like you mentioned before, Mitch Keller, who hasn't been, you know, what we had hoped yet. And of course, with, you know, potential arms on the way, you know, they could at least look um, a little more respectable this this year and put together some some nice series. One thing, too, with 2021 I want to mention real quick is I think the defense is going to be a lot better, and I think that can make a big difference as well. Um, I mean, you're going to get a full season of Cabrian Hayes at third base. That obviously makes a world of difference. You no longer have Josh Bell butchering easy ground balls at first base. and That's what I mean. Like I, in the middle of the infield, assuming that we get Tucker at shortstop and Newman at second, as I think everyone's assuming, or like Gonzalez at short and Newman at second – that's going to be much better than Newman at short and whoever at second, you know. So I, I think that you're going to see much better defense as well. And I think you let Stallings continue to work with these pitchers and get a rapport where it's just the hidden areas like that where you can steal runs, especially in a bad division, I think will just pay off for the Pirates in the long run and see them definitely looking like, – like there were times last season, albeit it was a short season, where they like – they didn't look like they belonged on a major league baseball field at times. I don't think we're going to see a lot of that in 2021, even though the team will almost assuredly finish under 500. Yeah, that's, that, that's kind of where I'm at with it too, Marty. I think that, well, that's, that, that's what I was trying to say, I guess is 
my point is that you know they might not they're still going to probably finish in last place but they're going to look like a, a lot better baseball team this year on the field yeah i think a good a, a good comparison in a way to that i feel is when they made that jump in 2010 when they were just horrific to 2011 where they looked competent and even somewhat competitive for part of the year I know we've talked about it before, and this is a discuss. We can make a whole episode on this discussion, so I'll make it brief. But I think there's a lot of parallels between 2021, 2022, and 2023 with 2011, 2012, and 2013, just because where they're at in terms of their prospects, and also that similar to that 13 through 15 window, we're going to see the hitting prospects get to the majors before the pitching prospects, which when you wind up with a lineup, which I think is something we could maybe see next year, you wind up with a lineup that's young and good and hits. You can start hot, but your pitching eventually falters. So I just I think there's a lot of parallels there where, like I said, that jump they made from 2010 where they were just – it didn't look like they were could have beat minor league teams some days to 2011 when they at least were competent. I think we see a similar jump from 2020 to 2021. There's a lot of parallels I think you know you can make between that run and the one that's probably just getting started here in Pittsburgh. And I think I can speak for you, gentlemen, when I say um, you know I have a lot more trust in this front office than that front office at the time. And you know this this crop of prospects has the chance to be just as good, if not better, than that group of prospects. Um, so you know we'll see there. Uh, but if nothing else, this season is going to be improved. Uh, and you know the spirit was there this past season, and they they looked improved as the season went on. Um, but it just didn't show up on the field. I think when you see Cabrian Hayes play a full season, you see O'Neill Cruz get up at some point, Travis Swaggerty, a lot of these kids. It's um, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun any way you draw it. And uh, this division will be god awful this year. So hopefully the Pirates can get some wins where they can. The NL Central is not going to be very good, but the NL West is looking to be the best base, the best division in baseball. Excuse me. The San Diego Padres continue to make moves. We saw them. Kind of go crazy there at the trade deadline this season. It didn't pan out, uh, but they're you know they're keeping at it. The Chicago Cubs trade you Darvish, the Tampa Bay Rays trade Blake Snell. Um, those are the two biggest moves that have happened within the last week. Marty, saw your tweets, um, you know about the salary dump, everything else. I'll let you get into that there with you Darvish and this Cubs team. But the Padres are looking to be the team to beat uh, this season as we give you guys a little bit update here on the trade market. I mean, this is just based off what Pirates Twitter has taught me over the years. With that U Darvish trade, we should have all been saying, go Ricketts Wallet, right? Like, Because I've always been told that the Pirates are the only team in baseball that makes salary dumps and the big bad Chicago Cubs or the amazing pristine image for a small market team, the Cleveland Indians, could never do the same. But no, in all seriousness, I think you're seeing – to an extent how broken baseball really is in terms of the finances that you have teams like the Cubs being forced to shed payroll. But I mean, Hey, kudos to the Padres, man. That team's going to be really good and a lot of fun for a long time. Like Nick and his wife were at my house yesterday and we were talking about this and it's, you know, the Padres are going to be good this year, but you get into next season and they have a more mature, more developed Mackenzie Gore and they get, Clevenger back from Tommy John surgery and you throw that with you Darvish and Blake Snell and Dilson Lament and Chris Paddock and just goodness gracious that team's going to be good and that team's going to be fun 
And also, I feel bad for Padre fans because they're going to win 98 or 99 games this year and not win their division because the Dodgers are still that damn good. The other thing that you know they're talking is that Tatis is finalizing a long-term extension, which you know is obviously going to be big for him and for the Padres organization and fan base. You know, it's something that we hope one day we can have a player like him sign a long-term extension here in Pittsburgh, but you know, the money he's looking at upwards of 300 million over 10 plus years. So to see the Padres spending money and really trying to, to be competitive is obviously, you know, everything that we want the pirates to be doing. Hopefully, you know, we can get there and the Padres tried this a few years ago. And when Preller first got hired and it blew up on him, but, you know, I think he learned a lot. Some a lot of the pieces he went and got there uh, were just pieces. You know, th- this time he was a little more methodic in the players he was trying to get. Blake Snell is a legit, uh, you know, lefty in this league. While you Darvish had a nice bounce back year last year, and you know, figures to have a lot of success out there on the West Coast, but. You know, the, the important thing for, for the Padres is that they were able to do all this because they they build it right and they build it through the farm system. You have a strong farm system, you set yourself up for options. You can compete by the young players you're calling up. You can do what the Padres have done, which more teams are doing. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are another example. A uh, little bit of mix and match, you know, build up that strong farm system, figure out who you really like and think is going to be a part of, you know, the, the lineup for the significant future. And then from there, you can kind of see who you want to deal away to fill those other holes. You know, it sounds pretty simple, but obviously it's not, uh, you know, the big thing is patience and I think for for pirate fans, you know, they're at a point where, you know, there there's nothing we can really do other than be patient at this point and hope that, uh, you know, Ben Charrington, like we said, we have confidence that he he's going to do exactly that. Certainly, and you know, those teams are so so fun and easy to root for. The mix and match teams, the teams that are home growing these players, Chicago White Sox comes to mind. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of them right group. now. Yep. Uh, but, you know, the Pirates have the potential to be one of those teams here in the near future. They have the prospects. They've been clearing some money internationally. You know, I, I think Pittsburgh is right on the doorstep of maybe being one of those teams. Is the payroll, you know, going to affect that? We'll see as it always does. Um, but, uh, you know, the Pirates are, are getting closer to that. They aren't going to be inking up a guy in Joe Musgrove for a long period of time. They're looking to deal him here potentially in the next couple of weeks or potentially before the season starts. Do you guys have an update on Joe Musgrove and, um, you know, maybe when we see that deal happen, if it does, and uh, maybe highlight Adam Frazier, some other guys that are on the block as well. For Musgrove, um, you know, I think it's a matter of when at this point, if not if. Uh, He is the top starter available on the market in terms of the trade market and probably the second best starter available um, in the whole market with Trevor Bauer obviously being better. But the issue is, is if teams are looking to add a, you know, a legitimate starting pitcher this off season, 
uh, with the with financial issues, um, teams aren't willing to pay out what Trevor Bauer is asking for right now, which is upwards of thirty plus million apparently. So Musgrove, therefore, teams who are being financially conscious, they're going to hopefully circle to the Pirates and look at Musgrove as a low cost, but yeah, going to cost prospects. And, you know, I think Charrington's in a position of power, power right now. I think, you know, he doesn't, once again, it's very similar to Starling Marte this time last year where he, he does not have to rush to get a deal done. He has control with Musgrove um, contractually. So, you know, he's not going to make a deal unless, that price is met, but I really believe that price will be met just because of the lack of uh, quality starting pitching on the market. Yeah, I agree with you, Nick. I think Musgrove getting moved is a question of when, not if. Um, personally, based on just the way the markets develop, some things you and I have heard from talking to some scouts and some other some other uh, some other front office. front office people around the game and some other sources and things of that nature, I- I'm surprised he hasn't been moved yet. Um, he, like you said, he's the best trade chip available. He's the second best pitcher available on the market, Pat Bauer. And, you know, there's a lot of teams out there who are looking to compete in 2021 and still need starting pitching help. You know, the Yankees need help. The Toronto Blue Jays need help. The Boston Red Sox need help. The Yankees make a lot of sense to me just because the luxury tax thing. Yeah. And you and I talked about this yesterday. I think the Yankees... Even if they re-sign DJ LeMayhew, a Musgrove and Frazier package, though the Yankees still makes sense because you have Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge who history tells you they're both going to spend time on the disabled list. You know, it, it's just it makes sense for them to still add that utility guy in Frazier. And I think Musgrove is a perfect fit for them, not just because of what he brings on the mound, but like you said, Nick, to keep them under the luxury tax. So I, I do think Musgrove gets traded, I think, like it's one of those deals. If he doesn't get traded until right before the start of spring training, it wouldn't surprise me. If he gets traded in the next three minutes, it wouldn't surprise me. So I, I think, like you said, though, Charrington is in a position of power, very similar to the Marte deal. He can hold out, get the deal he wants, and based off what we have seen this offseason with starting pitching, you know, I think people should be very excited about the potential return for Joe Musgrove. I understand that in a, the eyes of a lot of people, Lance Lynn is a better pitcher than Musgrove because of the strikeouts. But the last three years, if you look at their deserved run average, if you look at their war, you look at things like that, they're about the same pitcher. Musgrove probably gets a little bit of the net edge because of the age. And then you throw, yeah, I was gonna say you throw in the Musgrove has next year of control and appears to be a guy who's – well. Yeah, and, and just now finding that kind of extra gear, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get a better return for Joe Musgrove than the Texas Rangers got for Lance Lynn, and that's saying something because Dane Dunning is a uh, that, that's a heck of a centerpiece for a trade. Yeah, and Marty, I think you did a good job of highlighting the teams we're talking about: the Yankees, uh, the Blue Jays, potentially the Red Sox. Although not sure if they're, you know operating like they're 100% in at this point. Yeah, I think the Red Sox, and I think another team that kind of fits this bill, the Phillies are, the Red Sox and Phillies are two teams that on paper make sense, but not just that, but also with what you said, but I'm also not sure either of them really can match what other teams could potentially offer from Australia as well. 
And then, of course, the Blue Jays, you know, they they were in on uh, Sugano from Japan, the big uh, pitcher who was trying to make the jump to the MLB this year, but he was not able to get the contract he was hoping. And that that's actually the second um, foreign player that the Blue Jays have missed out on. They also were in on um, Kim, the player who signed with the Padres, the infielder. So, you know, the, we talked Frazier Musgrove package deal. Uh, the, the Blue Jays are looking for second baseman, obviously, and starting pitching and missed out on two of the top available ones on the market. So they definitely could make sense. But I, I know that Toronto is definitely fearful of char- uh, trading with Charrington and Sanders because of just their knowledge of the system. Yeah, and I also think that's part of the reason you're always going to see Toronto pop up here is not only do Musgrove and, like you said, Frazier fit for them, but Ben Charrington and Steven Sanders are very familiar with that organization. That would definitely be the type of organization where you could potentially see them at a lower rate of prospect and then the guy turn into a stud down the road just because they know them inside and out. And also, you know, Toronto's familiar with Joe Musgrove. I mean, that, that was the team that drafted him after all before trading him to Houston. So I think Toronto makes a ton of sense there, and we'll just have to wait and see how it happens. Like, like we've said, I, I personally will be absolutely stunned if Joe Musgrove is on this team when the season starts. That That is the other thing I wanted to say. But while Charrington is in a position of power, I do not foresee Charrington wanting to go into season with Musgrove on the roster. I don't see him wanting to risk uh, Musgrove, who has a little bit of a bumpy injury history, um, but also just the fact that a lot of what they're selling Musgrove on right now is what he could potentially do. So if you go into the season and he's not there, you know, then teams are going to start to maybe not look into the Sabre metrics as much as, you know, you're able to sell them on it now. Yeah, and I think that's probably something similar, honestly, that you saw with Marte last year where he was in the position of power, but it got into February. He did not want to enter spring training with Marte. Again, Marte is a guy more so even the Musgrove with the injury issue and ultimately wound up swinging a great trade there. So I, I, I think that in the end they will move Musgrove, and I think fans will be very happy with the return for Musgrove could be New York. It could be Toronto. It could be as early as tomorrow. Joe Musgrove is the hottest name on the trading block. We're going to keep you updated on what the Pittsburgh Pirates decide to do with him as this season continues to get closer. Guys, go check out rumbunter.com. Find all of our articles. There's a lot of great stuff out right now, keeping you through this offseason, keeping you updated, getting you guys all the info you need. Go check out the podcast as well. We're on Omni.com, on RumBunter.com as well. You can find us at our social media at RumBunter and on the RumBunter app. Download it. You can get the articles there and all the info you need on the Pittsburgh Pirates as we continue to creep closer to this 2021 season. That's all the time we have for tonight. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Yandy. Have a great week, everybody. Let's go Bucks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.